LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel Center ministry every week. The One Thing is brought to you with thanks to the Reach Australia Network. And today, I'm here with Rhett Harris from EV Church on the central coast of New South Wales. Well, for now, you've pressed play on another episode of The One Thing, Recruiting Trainees. So, Red, I want to kick off, uh, you know, again, going back in the past. How did you start recruiting trainees at EV Church? Who was the first one? Can you take us back to getting the whole thing kind of off the ground? Well, I mean, probably the normal way, you was on the lookout for young men and women uh, who you think should consider vocational ministry. That was the DNA I picked up at Carlingford, um, and Eva had the same DNA. Uh, normally, they're people who you're already active in ministry with in some fashion, and so you have intentional pastoral conversations with them around the future. Uh, who was the first one? Well, I'm not exactly sure. Probably my brother, uh, Ivan, and his wife, Julie. But I, look, when I came on, Craig Dobby was actually heading up MTS at EV, and I was uh, youth and young adults, so we had conversations together around, you know, who we should kind of get on, but ultimately Craig was responsible. I didn't actually take over running the, the MTS gig until sort of 10, 12 years ago. What's interesting, though, is you did have someone responsible for it. It yeah. wasn't, we, we weren't just expecting people to sort of, you know, appear. We, we had someone who was focused on it, um, and it was handed over again when, you know, ministry people moved, moved on. Absolutely. In fact, you, you know, you ask me what's what's the the one thing. <laughs> I don't know. What I'm supposed to get too, it's too early, but too early, the, the, yeah. I think you probably got to it. <laughs> okay. Well, let's hold that one thing thought until the end of the episode. So, guys, just wait for that one thing. Uh, you've now though recruited heaps of trainees at EV. Uh, what what have you learnt? Yeah, lots. Obviously, experience is a powerful teacher, and so you, we've had, I've had over sort of forty MTSs come on under my watch. Uh, and you know you do need someone responsible for it, like you've just said, Scott. I think that is the big thing. And over time, you'll need to build a team. Uh, there's lots to do there, but I'll come back to that. Look, experience teaches you, I think, what to look for in candidates. You get greater clarity there. Obviously, it's still the three C's of MTS: of Christian character, Christian convictions, Christian competencies. And obviously, they'll need to be teachable. Um, and you especially become aware of them having high levels of self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Uh, and I think I'd add demonstrated leadership. So um, we had people you know, back then who were learning to lead themselves, and that could be okay, but we worked out it's better to get candidates who've actually got some mastery of leading themselves. Uh, ideally, some competency even as as leading others, you know, whether it's a growth group leader or a ministry team or both. But past behaviour is a really good indication of indicator of future performance. Now, I've talked I've talked to one of your, your colleagues, uh, one of your co-workers at uh, at EV, Graham Fuller. We 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 talk about the sort of the conundrum you has as church gets larger, the conundrum you have as church gets, uh, or as you get more senior in, in ministry, that you have higher expectations. You know, of people, there's this sort of leadership lift that happens. Yeah. Um, like I'm hearing you talk about the three C's of character and competency and self awareness, and they've got to learn how to lead themselves. It kind of uh, isn't the whole apprenticeship process the place where they they learn those things. Um, and you know, if you were to speak to a church that has no the, no one, you know, would you be saying just grab anyone, or would you be saying actually no, 
keep that bar high. Keep looking for uh, you know candidates who have those who have those things. I think I think I would a good pushback. I think that's exactly. I think it's excellent. Um, I would say you you have to start where you're at, and so you may um, you may not have people who have as much leadership experience. But the more you can have someone who you know has has got some at least embryonically learned to lead themselves. And at least, and embryonically, you've got a sense they should be able to lead others. I think that just avoids some of the major pitfalls mm-hmm. that I've seen over the years. So that's the first thing. Experience has taught you now what to sort of look for in candidates. What else? Um, it's taught me to put lots of energy into the recruiting process. Uh, it costs everyone a lot if someone really struggles on MTS. And that's that's kind of a bloke who's getting old and had to do the hard <laughs> yards here. So... You know, they are staff for us at EV. Yes, they're apprentices, but they're, they're not shooting rubber bullets. They carry significant responsibility in church. And so it's really hard on the apprentice, the ministry, other staff, and their coach or trainer to try to care for them. Lots of time we spent, you know, trying to get a win for the apprentice. And, um, and that does matter because it's in their church family and any sense of failure we felt really strongly. So, you know, really we, we have increasingly invested heavily in the recruiting process hopefully get the, you know, the right candidates. That's not to say everyone will go uh, on to vocational ministry, but their experience is, is better for them. So I guess I'm hearing you in that say, spend time in the sort of selection, yeah. you know, walking alongside people. You're not, just, you're not just saying, great, put my hand up, good, excellent, you're in. Yeah. It's, a, it's a long-term conversation where you've seen them in, active in ministry, where you've watched them, yeah. and you're, you, you're pretty confident that they're going to, have a win and, and be successful. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, so we'd have, yes, a long list of possible future candidates, lots of conversations over the years. I'll get into this later, but, you know, it's over, over a longer period, ideally, a long application form. We have references. We have a panel interview with men and women on it. We've even introduced the last couple of years psychometric testing. I'm still trying to work out how much to make of all that. But but what we have worked out, yes, if you can invest in that early, you know, getting people on bit, well, you save yourself... Um, Probably a fair bit of pain down the road. Um, and, um, yeah, um, and I try not to take people through to the interview process uh, unless it's going to be a yes. Yep. But that's because we've got lots of conversations going on before they actually get to the interview process. I'd add other things too. We moved to an age where ideally about 24 is good age. We did have people on, the, on younger previously. Uh, I think women can be a bit younger. They tend to be more mature younger. <laughs> and... Um, there may not be that many years until they want to change their ministry. And have so to. I'm interested in that. What What about the older the older bloke, 45, who's who's come out of you know uh, a, a role in the secular world and they're thinking I want to give ministry a grow. What about the um, you know the woman? You know, for women often there's multiple decision points and changes in their sort of career and their you know their decision making process. Why not Why not the older man or the older woman? Um, well, we are. I'll go into it a bit later, but we are uh, we are expanding into that area, trying to look at that um, that reality. Um, although it sounds easier than what it is, often that person has made significant decisions um, that they didn't why they didn't want to go into ministry. And so we actually have had some people join staff later, and then almost had them join in on some of our MTS training. But it is it is harder to kind of come on later. And although, as I'll get to it a bit later, we our MTS program has got people now on with kids, and so they are getting older than what they were. Now it sounds like you have got a lot of systems, processes, structures in place. Yes. So um, 
does a church need to have all of those in place? No, no. When you start, you start with what you got, right? You yep. build it. But you know, as I said, I've been at this for twelve years, and what you work out is if you really want to do this, you work it. You want to have a number of things that work together yep. to really make this healthy. So, yes, yeah, so I have worked out. You want to look at your culture. You do want to have a pipeline for recruiting. You do want to have a, a calendar, essentially, that rolls around. And it also that all sits your MTS recruiting sits within a broader ministry ecosystem. So, for instance, the MTS cultural brand within church. It does matter. It needs to be, MTS needs to be highly valued, both by the candidates and by the broader church. It needs to have a pipeline where, you know, um, where you or a team of people are in discussions with people over years. So when you say pipeline, you're saying there's a, there's there's more than just the three or four or the one or two that you're sort of tapping on the shoulder. There are people two, three years, four years, five years, 10 years down the track, and you're actively cultivating that pipeline all the way through. So we've got a Google Doc, obviously, with people, yeah, one year out, two year out, three year out, and we've got notes and, and all that that sort of stuff. And when you start, the typical thing is it's November and the minister may tap you on the shoulder and say, can you start on January? <laughs> I've, got, I've got stories that have been most entertaining around how it actually often went down. So that doesn't sound like that's best practice. What, no, is a, what does an ideal recruiting calendar look like? Um, yeah, so I suppose... Um, uh, our, our calendar at the moment is after a lot of these conversations have happened, um, we send out application forms to the people in term one. We'll be interviewing them in term two and saying yes to them in term two. In term three and four, they start fundraising. So they'll kick off January one in our world and I'll come back. Um, and I suppose though we would, at the beginning of that pipeline, we are doing work in getting particularly everyone around age 20 to 22 to mission-minded. So what's, what's mission-minded for those listeners who don't know what mission-minded conference yeah, is all so about? Mission-minded in, in, in New South Wales is the, the classic MTS recruiting conference uh, where, you know, the vision all be put before people by, you know, Bible speakers, um, handlers to present the kind of the making of disciples, the, the real need to reach the nations, to reach Australia, and um, to go and get all that sort of stuff. And then it, it's... Um, You'd have a conversation with someone over maybe an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah, for me, that kind of is, of the weekend, that's the kind of the, the crux, the, the half hour, 45 minutes. You know, you get the good Bible teaching where you've got a number of people in the room who are all thinking about this yes. and you're having those those conversations over morning tea and at dinner time and late at night. But then it's you sit down with someone and they actually challenge you, okay, what what steps are you actively making towards Moving, you know, moving towards, and the I think that's so. It's gone by different names. This conference over the years, over the decades. Club Five, Club I think, is five, what yeah, I went to years and years ago. Yeah, yep, exactly. As yep. we're showing your age, <laughs> um, it's changed enough. But but the crux of it is what you said. You've got the the vision talks around what we what does God want purpose, what's He doing in the world, and then the big thing is the chat. Yeah. Now yeah. and th- and what's interesting with this conference uh, at the moment, there's there's online options. Yeah. I've seen some churches actually grab the content and have kind of a weekend in. Where they've, where they've got the sort of pipeline of people at various stages and they've used the conference material to, you know, as a as a key weekend in their whole sort of plan to put this in front of people and, and move people along. Uh, now, for those who aren't in New South Wales, for those who Blue Mountains is not close by, uh, Mission Mind happens in the October long weekend. I reckon it's the worst time of year. It's like footy finals weekend, but hey, you can't change things. And really, they should be sold out. Uh, but still, I just want to say it's a big cost. You've got AFL grand final and rugby league grand final on that weekend. <laughs> now, uh, so if you're there not, a lot of fights around the day. There is a lot. I know. I know. There's a lot of fights. Now, if you're not in, um, if you're not in New South Wales, 
Uh, I know that in Adelaide, that that ministry uh, weekend away happens on that October long weekend as well. But there's also a number of other recruiting conferences you could access. But also one of the really useful things that MTS have recently done is actually put together a sort of a package for how you can run a recruit night like this uh, in your church. Now, I think there's something that you would use earlier on in the year, you know, thinking about um, Rhett's calendar there, term one or two. And you'd be encouraging people to get along to that mission minor conference. And as I said, they've now made most of the resources and you know available online as well. Now, what if someone's listening out there though, Rhett, and they're thinking, uh, it's third term now and I haven't I haven't done any of these things. I don't even have an application form. What do I do to get apprenticeships on the radar for next year now? Well, it's you won't you won't be the first minister to ever have had that thought <laughs> late in the year. You still actually got time. So um, yeah, um, what this has been important for us uh, over the years and has changed. But you, you're trying to get as many, say, uh, in my view, about twenty to twenty-two year olds to that conference or the equivalent um, in whatever state. And I'll talk about the online thing in a moment, um, or some version of that. I, I think it's a very important piece in your ecosystem uh, because now, just to note. You won't be there when you start, but longer term, the best recruiters of MTS are MTS. So the current apprentices current are going to be the best. Are the best ones because they're working with them, having the conversations, and they're best at tapping others on the shoulder. Right. So that yeah, they are doing ministry with future MTSs and young adults. So our MTS cohort will divvy up all the 20, 22 year olds, and invite most of them to that conference. Um, where they hear the vision, you know, they're laying disciples and then having conversations around what they're planning to do with their life and breaking it down into five-year plans, all that sort of stuff. Which was kind of, like, I could still remember being back at university where I went to Club 5 and I kind of looked around and I, and I pretty much saw most of my accounting, you know, commerce cohort there. And I was like, hang on, I thought I was gifted and talented. You know, and then I realised, actually, everyone else is, everyone here is gifted. And, you know, <laughs> we, we all actually got encouraged to do something. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like we were special. It was actually, no, everyone should consider this. Yeah. Now, you need to do it where you need to be careful, but but that discussion, particularly what you do for your life, can be a discussion that all, ideally goes on for years, even decades, mm. because we do only have one life. We don't want to waste it. Um, now, it needs to be done carefully, you know, so that people don't think that they don't go into vocational ministry, they're second rate, all that kind of stuff. Um, but COVID bizarre, has actually helped us in a way because we now do have these online versions. And so um, we at EV, for instance, um, it was a really challenge for us to we all the things you've said, hard to get it up to Katoomba. And so we make a day of it. We use their talks, but we do an expression of it at EV. We've got a lot more people there. It's been very powerful. I would I would encourage many churches to do the same, especially if they can't get to that local gathering. However, uh, if you can go to the gathering, that probably is the best. So I need to say that. Oh, totally. Is, yeah. I mean, again, when you get uh, 1,500 you know, a thousand people together sort of all yeah. thinking about it. There's just a whole bunch of stuff that you can't recreate in your own local church. And I think as well for the small church, where they've only got the ones and twos, there is something powerful about, uh, you know, gathering people together. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of just of even, you know, youth youth ministry, taking our sort of six to 10 person youth group to a big youth rally event. It just, just has such a big impact. But maybe if you're remote, maybe there are, you know, another two or three churches nearby where you could, get those sorts of age groups together. I do think that's the kind of stuff we need to, to um, make use of. So, Rhett, what do you typically get a trainee to do? What's the role description? Yeah, we have three components to our MTS. We call it the general MTS, which is out for us about a day and a half a week, which includes things like leading a growth group or being in our world of CEO, that is you oversee a number of growth groups, um, which you 
might do if you've already demonstrated you can lead a growth group. Um, they would attend lunchtime schools ministry or scripture. We want to make sure that our MTSs are doing evangelism. Uh, they would attend our general staff meeting where we do a Bible study, but also do some training, staff training. They'd meet with their cohort to do training there um, fortnightly, uh, where they work through the MPS curriculum over a couple of years. They'll need to do some donor support or fundraising work ministry. Uh, and then they'd attend all sorts of conferences, G8, MTS day, training days, Rich Australia conference, FIAC conference, our case, staff conference, and some other camps. Um, or that may be their ministry-specific camps, like a youth camp. That's the, the general ministry. We just think that's just sort of general part of ministry. Um, a college, our, our, our guys and girls now do um, a more college or SMBC over uh, the one-year part-time, um, full-time equivalent over the three years. And so we allocate a day and a half to that. And then uh, they do ministry-specific work. So three days of their week is given over to kind of running an area of church. Um, now, now some are in two ministries, if it's a smaller one. It used to always be two um, areas of ministry, but one we took on going to college at the same time, we had to drop that back generally. Um, where, yeah, and that, that's an area where they're, they're running the area, they're leading teams, quite a number of volunteers usually with all the responsibilities of making that happen. Uh, back in the earlier days, it would have been setting up those ministries. Now it's more keeping and firing. So what was interesting, Cam, as well, just as you were talking, is most MT, uh, most MTS apprenticeships are two years, but but you're doing three years. Uh, that's what I heard you say, three years. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so we, we do this um, first year college over three years. So that if you finish that three years, you get a diploma of ministry. If, if you finish, you know, if you go on to college, you go straight into second year. Uh, one, one of the arguments here is that it is costly for the local church to keep sending off its best leaders. Just just when they're really, really getting good, you send them away. That over, if you if a local church consistently does that, it, that is a significant drain on them. Um, so we keep them, the three-year thing does mean it's a slightly better cut, I think, for the local church, having them stay around for that bit longer. Uh, but by doing it, we actually haven't extended their total time frame, training time frame at all. So that's that's the, the idea. And it's still to do with getting a good cohort together as they do that training. And so they so go constantly got the, the older yeah. and then the, fir- the first year guys, there's that, that mutual sort of learning they get from their peer cohort, not just from learning from their MTS mentor. No, absolutely. And in our world, we have a, a, an MTS kind of ecosystem where they have a coach, but they've also got managers. So we do six monthly reviews, which means they are always um, learning from a number of pastors. We, we think it's a very um, very powerful training ecosystem. Now, I want to come back to that question that we talked about around, uh, you know, the sort of the ideal age, 24, but what about older and recruiting slightly older trainees? Um Tell us, tell us, what do you what do you think about in that space at the moment? Have you got any sort of thoughts? Yeah, so I think as the training um, system becomes more robust, you can expand the kind of people you're putting on. That has happened for us incrementally. So typically they were younger, singles, maybe married at first we had on, but uh, over time we have had younger families, um, male apprentices who've got a, a wife and child, or and then maybe had children along the way as they go through their um, now three-year MTS. Uh, in fact, we've now had and have a number of them. Uh, we pay them a bit more to make it doable. Uh, but they are the ones raising the funds, but our fundraising system is more robust to facilitate that also. Um, there's flexibility roles so that they can uh, still do the work um, and look after their families. 
Uh, so um, we have had, yeah, some people join staff later in life who've joined our trainees for some time. Uh, and now we're asking questions even more broadly uh, in our morning church. Are there people who later in life actually could, you know, come on to MTS, 30s, 40s or whatever? Um, it's, that's, it's harder. That is a harder yeah, harder because as you say, your 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 life is a lot more set. You've got a lot more uh, external a lot pressures. Of have been made mm. But when we think about yep. life retraining, you know, we're around to sort of yep. sixty five, seventy. Uh, there's there's a good sort of still forty years, and you've and you've and you've hopefully learnt to lead yourself. Yep. You've got a lot more maturity, uh, and you're ready to go. So we're hoping to push into the space. I hope to push into the kind of the having the kids come through and like that kind of thing. That's slightly up. We, we took us a number of years. We got there. I'm still hopeful we'll get on these slightly older people again, but uh, we haven't really, you know, got into that space fully yet. So I'm, I'm finishing up my traineeship. I've done my three years. Uh, what happens then? Well, a uh, number of options. You may choose to go back to work. Which which I imagine is is a is a hard conversation and probably a conversation you've been having for 12, 12, 12 months prior to that as well. It's not just a, yep, I think you need or to go back to work. This is something you've probably been having all the way through the three years. And that's not necessarily like a bad outcome. That could be a great outcome, ideally. Mm. If that Because it's an ongoing discussion, it can, I mean, ideally it's one where the MTS really says, look, that was a great experience, but I worked out full-time vocational ministry is not for me. Yep. So we've, we've had a number of people do that, right? Uh, you can go straight on to college. We keep a number of our MTS have stayed on as we call them interns, um, uh, where they might stay on for a year or two before they'll go off um, to college. And of course, oh, sorry, and some will come on as interns and then just stay on as long-term staff. So so they actually won't go to college. You'll say, no, we actually want to keep you on as yeah, a staff member. Yeah. Particularly now, we're now noticing one of the great things about uh, some of the women, there's a lot of flexibility around that. So they've been able to do pastoral ministry, uh, sometimes part-time, um, sometimes pastoral administration, yeah, just depending on the situation as they then have children. So I found it's, it's great to have the guys on MTS. We really want to have them and a real strong number of them. But the women there, I've seen the real benefit in having them on as well. Great. Well, Rhett, what's the one thing you want to say about recruiting trainees? Well, I hinted at it before and so did you, Scott. The key thing is you need to have someone responsible to make it happen. And, and be passionate for it because you know it's very powerful in multiplying the work in the gospel. And I'll probably add, get them, that person who's responsible for this, to actually listen to this episode. Hopefully it'll save you a lot of pain in the whole process. Well, really good having you on the one thing today. I'm just going to open up the toolbox really quickly. Uh, one thing you could jump in and have a listen to is uh, Rhett's Learning Lab from last year on uh, the Serves Other Outcome Area. We'll put a link in the show notes to that. Uh, also from last year, Eugene Hoare uh, talking about building a training hospital. In, in one sense, that's that's what we want to see all across Australia, a whole bunch of churches that are seen as training hospitals, places where people are coming for that two or three year period and then actually being sent out to go and be part of churches all across Australia. And the last one is we'll put a link in the show notes to the uh, MTS book, Passing the Baton. Excellent book just to sort of start thinking about the, the culture, the process of setting up a... Um, uh, an apprenticeship structure and culture in your church. 
Well, uh, just as a way of identifying new trainees and developing existing ones, there are a number of Building Leaders Days that we've got happening over the uh, next little while. Uh, if you're in Sydney, then there's one on the Northern Beaches uh, in Narrabeen. I'll put in a link in the show notes uh, for that event. And there's also one happening in Geelong uh, in Victoria as well. Head along to the website. Head to reachaustralia.com.au forward slash building leaders. Uh, that's a day that is really important for you to bring some of your key uh, leaders of your teams along and your ministry team so you can actually start to talk and think together about how do we build the pipelines, the structures, the systems or to, to develop leaders all across church life. So Building Leaders Days, can I encourage you to get along to that? And if you're in the Northern Beaches or if you're in Sydney or Geelong, get along to those events. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon.